That's why I only uh, come here like once every four or five months because it's an irritating thing to do. So your hair grows slower than mine? No, I just leave it be. I don't fuck with it. Yeah, is it possible that it's just a curiosity because it applies to one of my characters in writings? Like, is it possible for a person to have their hair grow very, very slowly that it takes years to get back to its normal length? I would assume, I mean, everyone's individual. It's it's a myth that if you cut it, it grows back faster and longer. That's um, or bullshit. even harder. How would hair grow back harder? You have harder hair? Uh, that's what Ma once thought. What does that even mean? How do you have harder hair? Just don't wash it? I don't know. It's an old wives' tale. It's an urban myth. It's a... You know, what's another... Bullshit? Yeah. I've mentioned yeah. this before, but I would like to have two showers every day. That's a waste of water and bills. What if they're really fast showers? I don't need to take 40 minutes. It's like, you okay, in the morning, you're like, all right, I need to wake up, shower. Ah, I am awake now. And then at night, it's like, ooh, this is a very sweaty day. Ah, I am clean now, sleep. Mm. What's wrong with that? This is the Internet's Worst Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Ogie Jarson, and here with me once again is my IRL brother, uh, Lord Masta, also known as Thomas, for the purposes of me talking to him. Hello. Hello there, Loki Jarson. It's very weird. I never... Obviously, you want to keep a degree of anonymity, you know, your internet life, your personal life separate. I understand that. I don't care, but I understand that. Yeah, the things I do in video does not reflect who I am in real life. That's fair, but... You never, ever call me Loki, and I never, ever call you Thomas, so it's weird. Anyways. Yeah, it's an odd paradox between... Speaking of Paradox Interactive, we're not actually going to talk too much about Crusader Kings and Imperator Rome today. Instead, you've... Or or even um, Europa Rissas, for which I did play very little yesterday, but that's just me trying to, you know, get in tune with the time. Speaking of the times, I'm just going to transition every single time I I have a possibility. Uh, opportunity. Uh, yeah. If you um, if you hear a buzzing in the background, that is my space heater because even though I live in Texas, it's like 34 degrees, so I'm leaving oh. it on for the entirety of this recording. Oh yes, um, I was about to say that this is probably going to be the coldest period we're ever recorded on, as if we are living in Minnesota or something. The coldest winter in history. Thanks a lot, Al Gore. Instead of talking, or the, or the groundhog. He predicted six more weeks of winter, and that damn rodent was right again. On your YouTube channel, youtube.com slash lordmasto, where the O is a zero, you've been recording old, bad video games for the purposes of humor? Uh, I just wanted to add some originality to my channel, because they are seeing these... Paradox Interactive Games, we've mentioned all the damn time now, so I needed to add some variety to it. And for variety, you chose old-ass British joke games. 
from the 90s. Yes. In fact, the majority of what the game is going to be targeted today is from that time, you know, the 90s. Yeah. What a decade we all lived through. Um, <clears throat> I was born in 92. Anyways, uh, the first game of this podcast that we're going to talk about, um, as you said, it is made in the UK, um, United Kingdom. It's a Western game called The Town With No Name. So some, you ever heard of that? So some background here. The company that made this was called, I believe, Delta 4 Interactive. Uh, they made like 20 terrible short games for a console that I cannot actually remember the name of at this moment because it was one of those one-offs that made no money. Um, they were purposefully meant to be jokes. Uh, I have seen videos of the playthrough of that game and another one you're going to mention in a minute. Many, many years ago on a, a different unrelated YouTube channel that I don't want to reference here. No shout out here. <laughs> well, they're defunct now, so I guess I can't. Retsu Prey. I, that's where I saw them. I, I know where you saw them, but I saw them on Retsu Prey were these guys who used to do videos from Something Awful. And uh, I used to post on Something Awful a long ass time ago, so some affiliation there. Um, so I've seen other people play what you have seen and played. And uh, it's awful. It is that kind of all. I'll let you speak on it. But when you first told me you were doing videos about this thing, I was like, fucking why? It is it is like base Adam Sandler comedy shit. Well, it's like uh, I thought they were, they were actually going to expect it. It's like, Lord Master, come on, man. You're better than this. See, but I don't think you are because you played that murder game. Oh, yeah, and uh, a few other uh, games that I cannot remember because there's like thousands of them. Yeah, because you're up for whatever, but I just really despise try-hard comedy like that. Yeah, and it's also when I did a video of that game, The Town of No Name, which is a Western action-adventure point-and-click game. No, it isn't. That's... No, it isn't. It's a parody of films that they didn't actually watch. They just know quotes from. So you think Fergus McNeil, the guy who made this thing, was like that? Fun fact about Fergus McNeil. He uh, stopped making video games and went on to become a professional and highly successful <laughs> uh, professor of history, I believe. I'm not sure. A professor of some sort and a mystery novelist. He's He went and got a real job and became quite successful at it, in fact. Well, some people's got to move on for bigger and better things. So yeah. I guess good for him. <laughs> It's like, if you can't cut out with one, well, move on with something else. Yeah, it's a, it's an MS Paint piece of crap, and I wish, I think these few minutes on it are more than it deserves, but you, you go ahead. So, the game came out in 1992, um, again, that's the year I was born, so it seems like that's not the only game I played that came from 1992. You remember some other podcast ago where I... The Palace of Deceit, the Dragon's Play, another game that came out in 92. Yes, but that's at least a real video game. It's an actual RPG where you do things. Yeah, and made by Cliffy B, who, you know... Yeah, whatever he went on to do. But Town With No Game is not a game. <laughs> that's not my joke, and it's Red Supreme. Uh, oh, in oh, fact, okay. if, if you really want, I will just give you all the Arthland titles they came up with during that terrible playthrough they sent through. Um, it's not a game. You just click on things and then things happen. That's not what a game means. A game, to me, has always meant, whether a video game or 
uh, you know, a board game or something, the option to fail, the possibility to fail, right? Let's say you and I are playing checkers. This is a game where one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose because that's the purpose of a game. If you have a game where you can't lose, is it really a game? And moreover, if you have a game that has no interactivity, is it really a game? These Delta Four interactive games aren't interactive. So what do you call it then? Trash. Garbage. I mean, again, from my experience, I'm a, again, I've seen it from some other guy, then it convinced me, and I thought, well, do a video on that. And apparently, so many people have done that, so I thought, well... I, I mean, thought you wanted originality I, on your channel. Well, there's not a lot of people that are aware of it, at least to my subscribers and the friends that know me personally. Okay. Not, you know... Anyways, uh, it's just, well, here's something that'll, you know... Get them watching, and when when I posted that video, it got over twenty eight hundred views, more than any other video that I've posted in a span of a week. How the hell did that happen? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is it really that well known? I don't know. I just I, I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. But again, uh, before I actually recorded the playthrough of that game, I actually did a recording of using the cover art of the game like as i make a you know narration it's like okay here's you know what you're going to expect and now your future presentation that's the recording i made before we get on with the game Here, here's a, a terrible drawing of john wayne yeah it's hilarious yeah i made a remark on that by saying that this is the kind of game for every youtuber or twitch stream that should play at least once in their lifetime and it's like a rite of passage of sorts. You know, that's like saying chicken pox is a rite of passage. Yeah, everyone has to have it so you don't die from it when you're an adult. But that doesn't mean it's a pleasant experience. And, and it's also one of the very few games, you know, for me, recording for my channel, where I am not as talkative as compared to, you know, the games that I do on a weekly basis. It's just... I'm in all of what I'm seeing, and not to mention the dialogue in the game. Um, to the point where I even said, this animation reminds me of Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. Well, at least Bakshi had a studio behind him. I mean, it was trash. All, Bakshi, everything he's ever done is trash as well. Um, and he still does things today. If you say so, I don't believe that. But, uh... <laughs> like, Bakshi at least had a point. Well, I can't say he had a point. His point was to make money. His point was, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit's property, that those movies he did were licensed things, and it was the 70s, so who gave a damn? And then, you know, Wizards uh, is an original idea that's just like, how close can I get to nudity without actually showing any nipple? And that's what that movie is entirely about. And then there was Cool World with Brad Pitt and Kim Basinger, I think, in the 90s, because, well, I don't know, maybe he knew a producer one time. But uh, no, I would not equate that animation with Ralph Bakshi. I would equate it with like an eight-year-old learning MS Paint for the first time. It's almost sounded like you're defending Ralph Bakshi, but compared to if you're going to compare him again. to Fergus McNeil and the giant gaggle of idiots that made those games on the uh, on the online system, yeah, yeah, I am. Not that Bakshi's not. He's an idiot. Okay, he's an idiot and he's bad, but he's fucking better than those chumpos. 
<laughs> I'm gonna give you more titles that they gave. Uh, Town with no no name. They also called it. I'm glad that by the way we haven't described the game at all, and I don't want to. Uh, Retsu Prey called it true shit, like true grit. Wow. Uh, the bad, the bad, and the bad. It's my personal favorite. It's like good, bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Anything else, or is that all on top of your head? Uh, four ten to you made this piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are a bunch more, but you need context, like El Blow. Uh, the assassination of good games by the coward Delta Four Interactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and such and so on. So, and and you know what is the plot of that whole game? To shoot guys, and then a guy with a hat comes up to you and says, "Hey, you need to shoot more guys." And also, if you want, you can have a drink and then go fuck a whore for like a week straight. It's uh, yeah, bad. Yeah, it's... That, that's the strangest part to me. Um, other than that guy in the uh, cigarello um, or whatever. I, I don't know. It's just some uh, mystery man there. It's Clint Eastwood from the No Name Trilogy. Yeah, it was that particular animation sequence that made me think of Rob Boxy's and Lord of the Rings. But anyways, um, that that apparently the main bad guy's named Evil Eb. That's E-B. Eb? What's the other game they made? Because I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, just to conclude that, as I said, it's that I said, this is probably one of the weirdest games I have. And by the way, that was the very first video I recorded on this calendar year of 2021. Well, ringing. Hell of a way to start off. So glad we got over the awful year of 2020. Yeah, um, we'll transition from one to terrible year and to the beginning of what could be another, at least the content or games I've experienced. As if, man, this pandemic era quarantine's really getting to me. Now it's affecting my taste of games. What's the other one called? Yeah, by the folks of uh, Delta 4 Interactive, the developer, and as well as the same publisher, Online Entertainment. They made another title, same year, 92. After Town With No Name, they did Psycho Killer, which that one is a graphic action-adventure game. No, it isn't. It's a click-the-arrows game. Uh, I've also seen this from Ratsu Prey. This one is entirely photographs, and I don't mean video. I mean photographs. They took several shots on a fucking 1992 Nikon camera that you have to shake the Polaroid out of, I guess Polaroid is copyright, so it would be Polaroid camera. Anyways. And they just strung them together, and then every so often you have to click an arrow to go left or right, and sometimes when you click the left arrow, you die. So this technically qualifies as a game under my standards, because there's a chance of failure. Yeah, there's a chance you could screw up. I know I have a couple of times to the point where it's like, okay, this is the third time you've screwed up. Stop recording until you get back to where you were, like as if last checkpoint. Because every time you die, you go back to the beginning, like it's a roguelike game. (laughs) Like it's a game from 1992 made by fucktards. And also, by the way, both Town of No Name and Psycho Killer, the platform, um, it's like, the one I played, it's like, yes, it was released in 92, but I played them on the MS-DOS, which came out in 93. In 92, they came out in the Commodore CD TV. What is that? Uh, before Windows and Apple became ubiquitous for all computer usage, there were like eight different manufacturers you could get stuff from. As one of the options. The Commodore was also one of the early pioneers of early terrible video games, but we didn't know they were terrible because nobody had anything to compare them to. 
By 92, there were already good games, so it, it's inexcusable. The, the the NES had existed for several years. I think maybe even the SNES had existed, so there's absolutely no excuse for garbage point-and-click things. But, uh, you know, in 2021, bad games continue to be made inexplicably, and a lot of them hide behind art. I don't think D4i ever try to hide their shit behind art. They try to hide it behind, what's the minimal effort we can make a thing to get $20, 20 pence from? That's what they call it over there? I guess pence is cents, because they also have some sort of sense. I don't know. It's old fucking British money. Pounds, sterling. Mm-hmm. Shilling. Why not? They, they paid a whole tuppence to make this game and charged two tuppence to buy it. You wouldn't miss it for quids. Bollocks! Yeah, give it over money. And uh, Psycho Killer, you, you know what that game is about? I, I believe I told you, you just click triangles until something happens. A, a man yeah. who looks like a very young Jeremy Clarkson is allegedly holding a knife that looks like a stick. And you're like, I'm going to hit him with his other stick. And I save the day from this guy who we are told is murdering people, but we never actually see him kill anyone. I've seen a whole video of it. It's garbage. Yeah. But, I mean, when I did a recording on that, um, which, again, far shorter than Town of No Name. I mean, it's a very short game. Um, like, you could beat it in a span of 10 minutes if you memorize all the, the paths. It's not a choose-your-own-adventure. No. And also, then it's also, you know, quick-time events. And you gotta click before he gets to you. Oh no. Yeah. Um, not to mention, it has self-narration, like it's a film noir of sorts. He's like, then I went left, and oh man, that guy is still chasing me. You think he would have caught up to me now, but then I went right and hit him with a stick. <laughs> and there was even a part where you kick him in the face where he says, Eat my Reeboks, freak face. Which, that one gave me a little chuckle. For once. Few things make and, me... Uh, you know this, having known me our, your entire life. But a uh, few things make me more upset than try-hard bad comedy. It's like pretentious art. It, it might be worse, actually, than pretentious art. Because at least pretentious art thinks it's important. Bad comedy knows it's bad. You know, all those fucking Wayne's Brothers movies, they know they're terrible. They know they're shit. Every damn thing Kevin Hart has ever been in, he knows it's bad. But he's like, Mick, man, I'm just trying to get paid. I don't care. And that infuriates me as a lover of comedy. It's like you'd rather see comedy as an art form being perfected no, rather than... No, it has to be natural. It can't be forced. Look at, organic. Yes. Something like... I'm giving random random shots here. Like Family Guy's been on the air for 20 fucking years and it doesn't need to be because they haven't had an original joke since 2000. And it is such try-hard comedy that used to be super edgy is now just as... <laughs> the dullest edge you've ever seen. It's round. That's how edgy it is. Because it's a try-hard comedy. It's like it appeals to the lowest common denominator of that stuff. And I, I can't jive with that stuff. I cannot stand something that knows it's bad and doesn't care that it's bad. It's like, look, people are watching. People are playing this shit game. We're making money. Who cares? There's no love in it whatsoever. And uh, and finally, there was another thing that stood out to me from Psycho Killer. Um, is that an awful lot of images that were taken in every direction? Well, lots of forests or woods or trees images. It's uh, and it reminded me of a Braxis Guardian of the Universe, which we mentioned that yeah. a bit in one of the old podcasts. Because it's cheap to fill out in a 
place where no one is because no one's going to tell you, hey, get out of here. This is private property. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and filming it in Canada helps. No, yeah, but uh, the other game, the I assume some Staffordshire or Stratford upon Avon or fucking tiny ass place over there, like a Bigglesworth, Biggles Wade, I think actually. They say that um, graphics for the game were created using digitized still photographs that were taken in, in the suburbs of London. What suburbs of London has a forest? Yeah, that's. I recall, I recall an old Welsh friend of mine who used to play with Xbox way back in 2008. That they say that. Two percent of the UK is forest. Hence the reason why all the squirrels are running around, um, bastardizing the the sheep. And he he even goes as far as saying their squirrels are bastards. What's the next game? Oh boy, uh, but it, it's it's not made by those folks. I can tell you Thank that. God. Um, and that's another game again. That one's. From the year 2000, which is still technically 90s, isn't it? By the looks of things, if you recall, popular culture and just in general. Much like how the early 90s is still technically the 1980s. I get what you mean, yeah. Hey, how about we don't give away my age? You can give away hold you are all you want. Cutting this out. What's the next game? Um, this one is a puzzle video game. What was the last time you played a puzzle game, you know, like, purposely like, made. like a week ago. I play them all the uh, time. I just it? don't talk about them. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, this one came out in November of 2000. It's, and it's by the developer Dreaming Media. Um, um, it's called Bad Milk. Okay, this one I have also seen from a different YouTuber that I'm sure you saw it from the same one, and we're not going to mention him. Um, mm. It is the same one I'm thinking of, right? Uh, uh, sure, let's go with that. Because I used to watch quite a few of his stuff, and it, it was pretty funny. And he did a lot of obscure things, and a lot of things that I had played or had seen. And I was like, you know what, this guy's pretty entertaining. I'm going to check him out for a while. And I watched a lot of his stuff. And then at some point, the worm turned. And he said, instead of showing videos about old, obscure video games and putting comedy on it, I'm just going to have skits. They go on way too fucking long and aren't funny at all. Look at my giant stupid ear gauges. Make me look like I'm a goddamn elephant with flapping ears. Fuck that dude. Hardly anybody that does that anymore. That's just an old thing people were doing back in the early you're right. to Nowadays, mid, uh, all anyone 2010s. Does, oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Now all anyone does is stream fucking Minecraft and Fortnite. What is Bad Milk about? Oh, well, uh, it does start off with, you know... Spoiled milk, um, which again, uh, it started with you know the little opening cut scene, um, where um this guy is having um, a breakfast, um, you know, like eats you know toast and then he drinks the coffee where he puts the milk there. He reads the newspaper and then uh he sees the date, which is February third, two thousand, which concerns him as he looks at the cartridge of milk, um, that says you know expiration date October. And he's like, oh, no. And then he starts dying, and, and, and you know, everything goes black, and then you hear glass break. That's the opening! Glass break, Stone Cold shows up. Um, the interesting thing about that is, one, that's really fucking dumb. Because I don't know if you've ever seen milk actually go old. Milk will congeal, which means it becomes sort of liquid, sort of solid. Uh, it's how we get yogurt, in fact, and cottage cheese and all that sort of shit, but, you know, not poisonous. 
uh, old expired milk will make you sick because of the fermentation and uh, releases gases and all this stupid crap. But it won't kill you. You'll just vomit. There's no way you can oh. pour five-month-old milk out and have it not be powder. Go, it's oh. dust at that point. Yeah. What about combined with the coffee? What happens next, please? Yeah, I guess we ought to talk about the Scientology of the milk of what may kill you or not. Um, so, yeah, you play as that guy who just apparently died drinking the said bad milk. And, um, again, it's a first-person full-motion video game. Um, and, it, and it becomes a puzzle game um, afterwards where you have to obtain clues to escape in their situation in which you are called by on a phone by some guy whose voice is distorted, like you often see in movies where some bad guy's calling you or a terrorist is calling you, and yet you can't identify him. Yeah, but none of, none of these scenes are related, right? Like, aside from the opening bit, like, nothing has anything to do with anything. Uh, yeah, he says um, that uh, we're expecting you because you drink some bad milk, and if you can... Listen, you can get out of this, um, but if you're clever. If not, then he... Just does an evil after. Yeah, like I said, it has no point on anything. The narrative doesn't follow in any way because there is no narrative. So, yeah, just by an unseen third party and you're going to be given hints to complete the said puzzles, um, which you have to do, but the clues are hidden in FMV clips, which includes things like a dismembered bald head, a disembodied voice, a drowning man, and chronic smokers. And they often use reversed audio. This seems like another school project that got out of hand. Because as I've said to you maybe 1,000 times, what is the point of this? Now that's another game, um, much like with Town of No Name earlier. When, when I did recording, I was a bit baffled at what the hell am I seeing and experiencing and even finishing after the fact you know what that's probably what they wanted the point is to make you confused it is confuse a cat the thing sometimes people have a point and sometimes they don't and their point is to make sure that you don't understand therefore oh you just didn't get it and uh, even at some points during the game that there are two instances where you are you know dropped into a dark area which the only thing you can see is just arrows for you to point because you're in a pitch dark room or in a freaking maze, um, where you just open one door or another and you hear different kinds of sounds. It's like a freaking, it's like, okay, I'm outside and I'm inside an industrial factory and I'm in a ballroom or something. What the hell? Did you actually finish it? Because I heard it's kind of notoriously difficult. Um, yes. Uh, again, I did it all in one take. It was about 44 minutes. Is there, uh, is there a worthwhile payoff for all this nonsense? I'd imagine no. <laughs> So, again, the end goal is just find a code for a combination lock in form of a human head. So just picture a head, and you've got to make a, you know, again, it's a combination like you were to do a safe, but for the lower of the head and the middle part of the head and then the top of the head, and if you get the right one, then, okay, now unlock it. Now you got to have a two-word passphrase to unlock one more thing before you beat the game. Um, and then once you achieve that, then... Um, you know what's the payoff? You know what's the ending of the game? I imagine a big screen that says, thank you for playing. Yeah, since you died at the beginning and at the end, um, 
you are actually reborn in first person. You know, you just gave uh, like you're a baby that's given birth, and then uh, so it's like... a reincarnation metaphor. Yes, <laughs> reincarnation. Ah, uh, that's awful. Um, so, yeah, the overarching themes of the game include you know reincarnation and mortality, with the prize being birth along with unconditional love. That's what um. Mick Skolnick um, of the Skolnick Brothers, the other ones, Ted, the designers of the game, said on GameDev.net. That sounds like uh, some pretentious bullshit he made up after the fact. It's like, okay, so in the... Which is the religion that believes in reincarnation, Buddhism or the other one? Um, pick any Eastern uh, okay, religion. Okay, so in they... the pick Eastern any religion, when you die, you're reborn as a different person. Fine, whatever, let's not discuss that. So when you die, yeah. you have to solve a bunch of bullshit puzzles to come back? And if you don't, you come back as, like, a cow? So, like, apparently this whole gaming experience was purgatory, whatever. <laughs> this sounded like suffering, all right. Yeah, just uh, confused the out of you. Yeah, that, that's the other thing. It's like, this is the other side of that comedy coin, right? Because I, I don't assume bad milk is meant to be funny. What if it became more bizarre than funny? I know, but the, the D4I games are supposed to be funny, even though they're not. Um, this, I don't think, was supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be arty. It's like, oh, it really makes you think about stuff. Like, that's also bad. I don't want to be forced to think about shit. I want to think on my own. And uh, also, uh, that made me thought of a, a bit of... Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure it'll come up a lot when you're done. But did you know that this... Um, Game won the award for well, two awards, in fact, one for innovation in audio, and the other is the Somas McNally Grand Prize at the Independent Games Festival in two thousand two. Uh, no, I did not know that. Sounds like yeah. sounds like horseshit because all video game awards are horseshit. You know what I was thinking? Of? Yeah. Let's have a quick transition because I don't want to talk about these terrible games anymore. Uh, for a few minutes here. Yeah, yeah. Let's transition to a bit. I know, but this is something that I just thought of, so I want to talk about it. Edit this out. All video game awards are really horseshit. And I was thinking about this because 2020 was, for many, many, many reasons, a pretty bad year for cultural society and internet culture and society in particular. Did you say 2020 or 2020? I heard, thought I heard 21. Uh, 2020, excuse me. If I, if I misspoke, I don't know. To the point that there was a lot of tete-a-tete on video games, and video games are now more popular than ever, too the benefit and detriment of how both those things come about. You know, for good and bad, video games are becoming more popular. They're making more film and television adaptations of games. Uh, I think that's a mistake, personally, because the medium for which you can tell stories through games is different than the medium you can tell stories through which uh, movies or TV or anything. But anyways, a bunch of really good video games came out in 2020, and there were a lot of internet fights over which game was better. And on this here podcast, we used to do, me and Rob and Joe Sizzy, the other two guys used to do this, who may or may not be coming back sometime soon, used to have countdown list episodes where we decided what was the best game of the year to us personally. And we even had, you know, numbered, numbered lists. It's like, this is the 10th best game I ever played, this is the 8th best game I ever played, that kind of shit. Well, as I've gotten older and read all this internet discourse... I don't like reading reviews from games anymore because it is all opinion, and I think every opinion, every opinion should be personally shaped. I don't want to force my opinion on someone else, and I don't want someone else's opinion to be forced on me, right? So 
I don't want to rate games on a that way anymore. I don't want to say one game is better than the other for just throwing example numbers out there. Ghost of Tsushima by Sucker Punch came out last year. Also, Final Fantasy VII Remake from Square Enix came out last year. They're both excellent games in their own right for a different variety of reasons. But I don't want to have a stupid fight over which game is better. They're different. They can both be great. Did I enjoy one over the other? Sure. But I'm not going to pretend just because I had more fun playing FF7 that means Ghost is worse. But that's what we want to think. We need to have these tiers of things of this is the best thing, this is the not as good thing, this is the less than good thing. And I don't think that I don't want to think that way about video games anymore. I don't want to do numbered lists of what is the best. If you want to do that for reviews and ratings, you know, I'll still do that. But I can't say that one game is better objectively than the other because it's all personal preference. So And subjective. So when the awards come out and, you know, the golden joysticks or the fucking game awards from Jeff Keighley's friends, it's like, why are we giving these any credence? I don't think we should give any credence to Hollywood anymore because they've had, they have four award shows where they just give each, give themselves awards over and over back and forth. Very masturbatory and incestuous and I kind of hate it and I really don't like Hollywood's production. So I haven't watched, you know, a lot of movies in the last few years. Um... But that's Contemporary infecting, movies, at least. But that's infecting video games now. Well, we have three or four awards presentations, and you know, different uh, conglomerates give out different sets of awards, which is the best game, and this one is better, and this one has the best voice acting. It's like, why are we doing this? Why are we... We're not raising the quality. We're not raising the opinion of video games in popular media. We're lowering it by having the same stupid bitch fight that everything else has. It's like Grammys. Okay, this is the best album of the year. All these other albums are shit. But they're not. You can't judge things that way. If you want video games to be art, if you keep saying it's art, you cannot subjectify art. You cannot categorize art one art as being better than another art. You cannot say objectively that the Mona Lisa is better than that painting of a boat Edgar Degas did. Because it's two different, entirely different things. Ghost of Tsushima, Final Fantasy VII, other stuff, they're different things you can't judge as one as better than the other. And I don't want to. So, these games you talked here are all bad, objectively, <laughs> for different various reasons. But, I'm not just going to say you shouldn't play them. I think they're shit, but I'm not going to say you shouldn't seek out videos. You do what you want. If anything, take anything away from this rant, I don't know. Just whatever I have here, the soliloquy. Fuck everyone else's opinion but your own, including mine. Don't listen to my opinion at all. Make up your own opinion. It's all, all that matters is what, whether or not that you enjoyed it. 100%. Well, anyways, uh, there's one more, well, a couple more things you wanted to talk about. This other, another FMV game that I actually this time don't know anything about, so surprise me. Oh, it's unknown to you. Um, this one came out in 1994, um, two years after 1992, messy year for interactive movie games. Um, this one is called Critical Path, and it doesn't ring the bell to you. No, is it an RPG? Um, it is a post-apocalyptic interactive movie adventure video game. That's a hell of a God, I hate, all, I hate everything you just said. Um, I mean, Psycho Killer, as mentioned, it was an interactive movie, except point and click. Uh-huh. Uh, 
Yeah, and this one came out on PC and Mac. Um, Macintosh, uh, the platform's still around today. Yeah, they just don't call it Macintosh. They just say Mac. Yeah, it's just another name for PC. Basically, right? It's by um, Macadeus, that's the developer, and published by Media Vision Technology. I have no idea what this is. Um, so, the story of that is a terrorist biological warfare doomsday event has played out, killing off 90% of the world's population. God dang. It's ambitious. Um, many of the survivors are sick or eventually become insane. And... Uh, Group of surviving soldiers attempt to care for survivors and maintain order on their military base. Over time, the situation gradually becomes so dire that the commanders ordered all sick transported 70 miles away to invented village and ordered his troops to open fire anything within a 30-mile radius. That, that's a post-apocalyptic setting for you. What, what, what do you do? What is the kind of game? I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, that's just a background of things. How do you um, interact? I mean, it's a first-person shooter, a third-person cover-based. What do you do? What is it? Uh, hang on. Um, I Again, I haven't done a video on that, but I plan on doing a video on that okay. because I believe that's another thing that's worth recording because, you know, it sounds like a cool concept. Uh, I've, played, I've played a lot of post-apocalyptic video games, so... Oh, what was that word you just used? I've played a lot of post-apocalyptic video games, so... Okay, you said it too fast. Um, anyways, um, again, it's, uh, it's, as we said, it's an interactive uh, movie of sorts. I mean, it's an FMV, full-motion video, um, where um, it's not necessarily point-and-click. It's just picture a small screen there, right? Which is the, the yeah. film with computer image imagery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a bunch of buttons or switches that you got to do. I mean, it also involves quick time events, so you got to time it right. Otherwise, you'll screw up. And again, uh, it's, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, they're not saying you're playing as a character. I mean, there is you, the player, but that's more of you controlling this protagonist's actions and decisions, um, but you got to do it in timing. Um, which uh, which the main protagonist is by the name of Cat. That's K A T, um, who is uh, who's played by Elling Weisinger, who is a a stunt woman, who's done a lot of things. As a stunt woman, stunt actress, who was a stunt double for many things. Uh-huh. You've know, been in movies like Iron Man, Planet of the Apes, 2001 version. Expendables, a lot of so, things. So so the reason she's the protagonist is she can fall down off stuff. Yeah, if you screw up. Yeah, so she's a helicopter pilot um, returning from a reconnaissance mission to find a military base destroyed. And then, um, again, it's like, yeah, they go into this place and they go to this island, uh, which is reported to be clear of the sick and capable of receiving refugees. But um, so yeah, they were in the Apache attack helicopters, um, which, again, it's Kat, a guy named Night Horse, another named Greer, and you, the player. An unnamed soldier. Um, See, when you said protagonist, I thought you were playing as that. But no, of course not. Why would that be true? So, uh, so the the helicopter carrying Greer and the player developed mechanical problems and they landed this helicopter sign. But, however, the one with 
Night horse and cat, the helicopter got shot down by a service to air missile. Night horse fairly wounded, and uh, and now you take control in in this part of the game where where you got to tell cat to go to this area and whatnot rather than leave it to her own devices, which can often end up you know are dying something terrible. You know what's weird? The more you describe this game, the more I think I actually do know it. Oh, enough I, enough of this is vaguely familiar that it's starting to connect in my brain. Uh, and again, it's just many saints. And and by the way, um, there is lives in the game, and she has nine lives because you know, cat. Hilarious. And even reveals that the fact that she only has nine bullets for her Uzi, uh, or some machine gun that she was carrying. Which we will go through in half a second, considering how those things fire. Yeah, but it was semi-auto the whole time, and and again, uh, you got to assist her by making way through the factory by activating or deactivating machinery, relaying directional commands, and setting off booby traps. Um, so, so hold on, it's just night trap. Um, I, I heard of the name of the game, but don't know what it's about. It's basically what you're describing. There were. Okay, so there are a ton, a fuckload of FMV games during the Sega CD and Mega Drive and all this early 90s PC that were you, the player, were you, and you were interacting through a video screen. And every so often, one of the actors in the thing, a character, would look at this camera and say, hey, you, player, do thing. And there were a ton of those. There's a weird spinoff of the same genre of FMV games where you don't exist but you are still conferring with people there's shit like night trap and uh the one with Corey Haim, i don't remember the name of it's also garbage that one that's what this sounds like so so, uh, so it's starting to ring a bell now at least in that genre yeah and certainly of the genre of games i've seen that are bad yeah and also you know as that game progresses including that function of you know all that Machinery, booby traps, which again, you got to do it at the right timing, including you have to look up this black notebook on the bottom of the screen, even though it's a bit of a deranged ramblings, which contains clues in there, which you may have to use in a future use, in a future scene. So, what is the point of this critical path? You go along the critical path, and then you rescue the girl and yourself, presumably? Um, it's just basically making a way to that other Apache helicopter that landed. The one that's not shot down that was landed by, you know, that guy and you, the player. So why can't you go to her rather than her going to you? Um, you, the player, is actually in the, you know, the security room. You know, you got a security camera watching her move this, and you got to... It is Night Trap. <laughs> it is 100% Night Trap. Uh, why does it make so many games like this? Okay, uh, at now, least in the 90s. Um, let, let me paint you a, an alternate universe picture where instead of that dumb shit, you actually play as the lady trying to get to the helicopter. Wouldn't that be a better game? Uh, I guess uh, as long as you, well, watch your damn step. I know, but at least you'd be doing things other than telling people. <sighs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is a slight, uh, not transition, what's the other word? Uh, yeah, but, but before we get into, you know, again, the FFV genre in general, um, there was this, you know, main bad guy in this game by the name of General Min. That's spelled M-I-N-H. 
you know, which is a Vietnamese spelling or something like that, who is fucking nuts. Like, like he were to do an insane evil after, well, he does it like a good 15 seconds. It's what it felt like during my, kind of like, again, practicing for a future video because I, you know, whatnot. Because it's very boring to see someone fail over and over. Yeah, and, found, and found out that the guy who you know played him is by well the folks that developed him, and that's also a common place in FMV yeah, games it's cheap. where, yeah, and uh, and it says that this game was produced in a low budget manner. Um, oh shit! Like about on a budget of four hundred and fifty thousand. I thought you were going to say four hundred fifty dollars on a bill. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, four hundred fifty thousand. I assume that's to rent one helicopter. Four hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah. What was that? I assume that's to rent one helicopter. Or a computer-generated looking helicopter. It's just the only real parts is well, the people themselves. And so interesting. Small- and interestingly enough, uh, when I looked up that Critical Path game. Um, like if you were to look at the cover art of it, at first glance, I thought it looked like Hayden Christensen as uh, Anakin Skywalker, or realized, oh no, that's someone else. So you talk about the FMV genre in general. Well, no, that specific thing you just talked about with the whole leading her around instead of actually being her. In a game I really liked from this past console generation here, the Watch Dogs, there are several times in the game where instead of playing the character the main guy aiden pierce uh you play as aiden pierce looking through a monitor or looking through a camera at a monitor and you have to direct a different character it's like okay it's clear go left it's like all right let me hack a board so you go up and then you directing your sister around it's like all right wait wait for it wait okay now go before he sees you and you do that like four times i think in the game and it's fucking irritating every time because it is not fun to direct someone around instead of being the person to me, it is just a saw offset of a strategy game where instead of playing a soldier, you play as a commander and you tell your soldiers to go places. And I don't like those kinds of games. Yeah, especially that puzzles that consist of pushing the right button at the right time. That doesn't bother me. Those have been in games forever. Everyone thinks God of War and Resident Evil 4 invented those. No, those have been around for a fuck long time. They're like 30 games on the second CD that are just that. It also makes it sound like Critical Path or Night Trap, if you talked about it earlier. It sounds like they were ahead of their time of that sort of thing. Stizzy said something last week to me that I thought was very profound. Hi, Stizzy, if you're listening. He says, I was playing some old games, looking at some old game footage. He was talking about Super Nintendo games at the time. Mm. And he says, looking at these old games, I can't believe we ever got where we are now. I don't understand how games got so popular with stuff like this. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. With shit like Night Trap and all this other garbage you've been talking about the show, I'm amazed at how popular video games are today, considering the origins were such shit. And this isn't a comparable, because like movies, you know, Nosferatu, I think, is the oldest movie we've ever seen. Mm. And while it's not, a, not, it's not a great movie by any standards, it's not awful, right? Mm-mm. We sat through the whole thing. It's, it's a fine, you know, horror film for the time. And if you look at, you know, the most recent horror film, it's like, well, there, nothing has fucking changed at all, really. But with video games, because technolo- they depend on technology, 
we've come so far in technology that we don't need to hire real people to stand in front of a camera to digitize them onto a CD. We can digitally make fake people that are very real looking. Now, a lot of games today do still put real people in FMV sequences, and those games are always shit. They are always independent. They are always critically acclaimed. They are always garbage because they try to tell a point instead of be fun to play. I'm not going to name any specifics, but uh, you know what they are. FMV <laughs> games are bad. FMV games are bad. The only reason they existed in the 90s was to save a buck because it was hard to digitally model dudes. Look at the PlayStation 1 era of 3D models. By today's standards, they don't hold up at all. We're in a very weird position between the N64 and PlayStation 1 where we can use 3D polygons now, but we don't know fucking how. So for a very long time, we just use real people because it's easy. And then at some point, technology turned and everyone figured out how to use 3D models again. And we come here to 2021 where they're very lifelike and maybe perhaps a little too lifelike in some situations. But if you're still making an FMV game, it means you have no money. That's that's the truth. You have no money. You you have $500 and a phone camera. You're like, let's make a video game. We don't need no 3D models. Yes, you do. That's what makes it a video game instead of a shitty movie where you click a button every so now. I think yeah, that it kind of it will probably remind you since you know we once briefly talked about them, you know, films that I've seen, such as those from India. Like, like, how come the Indian CGI looks different than other countries? Um, where you... I was gonna say, the real answer is proprietaryism, because the software that is used in a lot of uh, Hollywood films for CGI is owned by companies. You have to pay the company to use a license to use that software. I don't know the legal ramifications of an Indian company asking to use, you know, Industrial Light Magic, for example, their software. But I imagine it's not an easy thing to do or get around or it's mega expensive. So they use their own uh, CGI software, which is not as good. Yeah. Um, and whereas in Western eyes, they look sometimes laughable. Well, yeah, because they don't have they don't have the. Lucasfilm pedigree, but they don't have access to that technology, or they're not paying for it. The price is too high. So I don't blame them necessarily. It'd be better if they didn't do it at all. But here's a fun fact for you, for you, Thomas. Mm -hmm. Those Indian movies are not made for an American audience. They're made for an Indian audience. So they're fine with it. And not just India, but Indians in all languages. If they can dub it all. Yeah, but that's my point. It's it's not meant to be a Hollywood blockbuster. It's meant to be a Bollywood film. They know what they are. There's no pretentiosity about Bollywood films. Yeah. Not just Bollywood, but also Hollywood and Tollywood. Don't forget the regional ones. Well, my point being, they know what they are. You know, they're not up their own ass like most Hollywood films. They're very up their own ass. And now video yeah. games are starting to get it too. Video games producers and Writers and directors are starting to get the, oh, we're making lots of money, therefore we're super important. I have to tell you a story instead of making a fun game again. And it's like, man, this needs to turn PDQ. Yeah, FMVs and interactive movies. Do you think that kind of started all of that? I don't know. It was the 90s, man. That's all we got to say. It was the 90s, man. There's no good explanation. 
every few years, Twitter, every few years, every few days, Twitter will find an old ass video from a long ass time ago about some random thing and be like, I can't believe people used to do this. Like, buddy, that's the way it was. Time has moved on, but you seem, <laughs> seem unable to. I'm going to edit all that out. That was a useless bit of nothing. Uh, you ready to talk about the last thing here? Yeah, and yeah, just one more thing. Um, FMV games, yeah, yeah. FMV games are very rarely made today. The last one I've checked, like of any recently made ones, the latest one was back in 2017. They said it was from a game called A Trip to Yugoslavia or something. I don't know if it was made from over there in the former Yugoslav countries or whatever. It's just, I'm like, they still do that genre. I'm not talking about the setting or anything. It's just they still make it. Yes, because it's cheap, dude. I don't know how many times I got to tell you. It costs no money to put a real person in front of a camera and to put that digitize it. That's it. It costs money so, to make a 3D character model. So, so let's move on from attempting to be real into a game that you know is realism in gameplay. Uh, I wouldn't say realism. I mean, you still can get shot like 10 times and be okay. Yeah, you can actually adjust that difficulty. Anyways, you, on a whim, because your friends were playing it, decided to buy Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Yeah. Uh, uh, which surprised the heck out of me as a guy who played a little bit of that game. Uh, I really enjoyed Wildlands, the previous game, but Breakpoint, when I played the demo of it, had a lot of things I was like, man, this is a pain in the ass. And at the time of release, it did not have... Uh, friendly NPCs to help you, like go, like Ghost Recon Wildlands did. They've since added it in, but it took a very long time for them to do so. It was all play with your friends or go solo, and if you go solo, you're going to get fucked. I mean, I'm no stranger to Ghost Recon games. I mean, the uh, Breakpoint wasn't my first Ghost Recon game. Um, the first one was back in the early 2010s, and I don't know when it came out, but it was Ghost Recon Future Soldier I played it first, um, which... I think I only played a multiplayer. We didn't have enough time. So again, we rented that game, yeah. and I actually enjoyed the multiplayer. And I thought it was very underrated compared to the more popular titles out there at that time. Incidentally, I only played the single player, and I thought this is a pretty good game. All things considered, at the time for the time being, you know, it was like it was the first. I don't know if you want to talk about this any, but it was the first game to have like super in-depth gun customization. To where you can just literally every part of the gun. It's oh. like, all right, I want to swap out a barrel, I want to swap out a sight, I want to swap out a grip. And stock, magazine. And it continues to this day. Yeah, but is there mostly, anything mostly more detailed than them? Mostly in Ubisoft titles, I mean. Yeah. They put a lot of time. So, and also. It's Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Don't yes, forget Tom Clancy's. Yeah, because that really matters, even though he's been dead for several years and had nothing to do with the series. Yeah, he's been dead since October 2013, I remember. Uh, Ubisoft owns a license to the Tom Clancy game, so they just slap his name and everything, like Division and Hawks. And uh, Spl Splinter Cell. There have been a new Splinter Cell game this entire fucking generation, and I'm so angry. What was the last time they made one? Uh... Blacklist for PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. What year? I don't recall, but before 2013. Man, 2013. Oh, anyways, um, 
And I recall that um, you actually played an even older Ghost Recon game. It may have been the first one. Like you I, I did play second. both. I played the first and second Ghost Recon games. Uh, our our cousin, who I'll name here because who cares? Our cousin Jerry owned a PlayStation Two. We did not at the time, and he had both Ghost Recon One and Two. And uh, at the time, then we only played them single player, and I played both those. I don't think I've finished either one of them, but it was my first foray into the. When we say military shooter, you usually think Call of Duty or Battlefield, but not really, because Call of Duty and Battlefield, you're a super soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ghost Recon, you're a soldier. You're a guy. And you can get shot and die. Because they don't fuck around in those Ghost Recon games. Yeah, that nitty-gritty and realism. Realism has always been a point of contention for me. But it is more realistic than a Call of Duty or a Battlefield. Yes. Oh. And isn't Rainbow Six more of a tactical shooter? Yeah, Rainbow Six is like the even realer realer. Because you can absolutely die in one hit in Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six is meant to be slow. Ghost Recon, even though you're supposed to be stealthy, doesn't necessarily need to be slow. Rainbow Six is slow. Unless you're a pro, I guess. You can just run in, headshot, and run away. Yeah, tactical shooters for a separate thing. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't consider Ghost Recon either Wildlands or Breakpoint a fully tactical shooter, but they're more tactics than your average military game. (laughs) And uh, and again, just on divert a tiny bit on your early memory of Ghost Recon games. I remember a moment where you were on a obstacle course tutorial, whatever, you and Nick were there, um, and you got to the, did a C4 explosion thing in which you thought... No, you... it was a grenade. Okay, it was a grenade. Yes, I know what you're going to say. Uh, so there's a part where they there's like, here's how you shoot your gun. Alright, here's how you swap weapons. Here's how you reload. Alright, here's how you throw a grenade. And I didn't hold the button, I tapped it, and he threw a grenade at his feet, and then it exploded. This is a story you've told forever, because the punchline is... Oh, did I pass? Yes, I don't remember who said it, I think you claimed that you said it. It It's funny at the time, there's no context for this story, dude. It was just a moment. It was funny, I'm not gonna, I'm not lying, it was funny. But... You had to have been one of the four people in that room to find it funny. Because I have some different type of sense of humor compared to the rest of... Now off from the wild lands to the break point, which... So what has been your experience playing the game? So you had a... (laughs) You keep calling it point break at first. Because of the film. No, not here, just... The times when we mention it off air. Oh yeah, okay, sure. So at breakpoint, um, you know the setting, right? Because it is set in the year of 2025, the same year of the other universe of Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Yeah, except Call of Duty Black Ops 2 already has fucking robot people. Yeah, and uh, fucking drones everywhere. Mm-hmm. Same here. So it, it was in 2025, and it's six years after the events of Wildlands, and one year after the events of Future Soldier. Which doesn't make any damn sense at all, because they're not the same characters. Yeah. Like, it's, narratively, it's, like, like, I get why they said that, but narratively, though, games don't follow each other, so it doesn't matter. Like, none of the games in the Tom Clancy-verse follow each other, except for Splinter Cells. 
even though it's impossible for Breakpoint to be after uh, Retribution, where the fuck that game was called. What was that game called? Uh, Wildlands. No, the Splinter Cell game where he got real mad. Uh, Conviction, Blacklist. Conviction, that's right, yeah, Conviction. Even though Blacklist, it is impossible for Blacklist to be a sequel to Conviction, they say it is. Even though it doesn't make any sense for this to be a sequel to Future Soldier, they say it is. Even though, what the fuck? You don't have any of your stealth technology that was kind of all over in Future Soldier? You don't have any of those giant walking tanks? Bullshit, this is a sequel. Anyways, the narrative is not the friggin' reason for the game. So yeah, it's an open world game that takes place in Aurora. That's A-U-R-O-A. Fake South America. In the island of South Pacific. Oh, excuse me. It's, look, I did not play that much of it. Yeah, so yeah, it's a big old island owned by a billionaire entrepreneur and philanthropist by the name of Jay Skell, which I only met him once when I was playing with friends doing co-op missions. So is he, like, secretly evil, you think? I would uh, guess yes. No, I don't think so. He, he's just like, it's like, it's like yeah, they they taken all over, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Just get me out of here. It's, that's the impression I got him when we were working together and... Um, and that and that was also concurrent when we were doing a, well, a totally different, separate thing, which was a a DLC or an update that they added. It, it was a totally separate thing. Yeah, That's, it did not. It was not very well received, partially because of the, uh, uh, lack of help from AI squad mates. But they've continued to update the game to their great credit. They've added a lot, and they're still updating and adding new things. So. Ubisoft very rarely gives up on things. It's happened for like that Starlink game, but for the most part, if they release something that's not great, they're going to try their hardest to fix it. Uh, so you said it's like you didn't play enough to the point where you know the main story? No, I, mean, I don't know anything. I know that I know John Berthall in it, and he's a horrible actor. Uh, um, what was he known for? He was most recently the Punisher in the Netflix series of the spinoff of the Daredevil Netflix series. He was terrible in that even though uh, fangirls the internet kept telling me he was great and i don't believe them all right it was a ghost lieutenant who gone rogue never seen that before yeah and then there's also a bunch of bad guys roaming around the island um which is a private military contractor called sentinel um under you know the rogue commander's command and then there's this, you know, slightly more armored guys call themselves wolves. Because, you know, nothing's more intimidating than wolves. Yeah. Eh, but again, it's like... I mean, it has many side missions, um, which I've been starting to do that more. Because I spent a good portion of that game prior to this recording just exploring. You know all the fast travel places before doing a mission. So that way it'll be much easier to get from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Which is better, oh. t- better idea in theory in RPG-like games, right? How uh, how many hours would you say you have in it now? Can't tell by hours, but I could tell in... Oh, it's been three weeks. Mm. And by the way, I got that game on a 70 or 80% deal off. It was $9. That's another thing about uh, the... Uh... Ubisoft's Ubisoft games is they go on sale quite often 
and they don't seem to suffer for it. Like they make enough money off their major properties like Assassin's Creed and stuff that it's like, okay, we can lose a little bit here on Ghost Recon and still be okay. Or The Division. I recall Division 2, uh, which while a fine game, was at one point valued down all the way to like $2. Uh, I don't know why, but it's been since bumped back up. But, you know, it's, it's not like Ubisoft's hurting for money. And also, uh, and also, they added a bunch of DLC since then. Again, it came out in October 2019, so I must be a bit of a latecomer. I think it came in just the right time when you already have AI teammates. Now, the actual playing of the game, because I've seen a few clips from you. From what I could tell, it is just your nonsense from Red Dead and GTA again. Yes, somehow I found a way to have fun with it. Again. Not that the game isn't fun to play. That's a weird sentence to say. Yeah, never thought you would hear that in a Tom Clancy game. Well, it's a serious, hardcore military shooter with no joking around whatsoever. And then you're like, all right, what if I parked eight cars in front of each other? Yeah, created a roadblock full of uh, vehicles that um, they killed the drivers of and just parked them together. And we actually successfully stopped them because of the said roadblock. I'm amazed you didn't crash the game. Yeah, which which it had its limits. Not saying the crashy part, it's just the amount of vehicles you could put locally. Because they stopped coming soon afterwards. Where I just kind of eventually got bored and got out of here. But you are enjoying the game. You are having fun. Oh, yes. Um, as well as trying to find what's the right weapons for a person like me. What's the right class for it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've got my groove, um, as some folks would say. And I, and again, I did a, I mentioned about did co-op missions with with some of my friends because we were doing again it was a a DLC which which actually came with it um, because of future updates. Um, um, the DLC um, missions that uh, me and my friends did was Terminator, which you know they added two missions for, involving well the Terminator himself. Well, yeah, because they had a weird partnership with the Dark Fate, Dark Fate, Dark Future, whatever the fuck that movie was called, with Linda Hamilton again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ubisoft also had a lot of really weird crossovers. Like, they're just down for anyone to throw them money. Like, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins has a Final Fantasy crossover mount and weapon for no reason at all. They're what two, the two hell? properties aren't related in any way. Uh, just most recently, Division 2 has a crossover with Resident Evil, where you can have a uh, raccoon police department vest for your operator. And there are no zombies in the game. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just like, here it is. Why not? So there were also there was also a Terminator operation in Ghost Recon Wildlands. And I was like, well, you go here and you shoot robots, I guess. And I was like, why? Because uh, uh, Terminator, Dark Fate, in theaters now. It's like, okay, if you say so, I don't mind. Not that big a deal, really. And the Terminators in that game will kick your ass. I imagine they're literally robots designed to kill humans. That's why they were made. Yeah, yeah and you have to use a specific weapon to kill the thing. Or put enough damage and it's, then you kill it. It's weird that they weren't... Fun. It's weird that it wasn't a crossover with the actual Terminator game, I think, called Resistance. that came out like two or three years ago. There's nothing yeah, to do with any of the films. Yeah, the, the, the Terminator DLC, it's... It came out on January and into February of 2020 last year. Hmm. So was that That's before probably, Dark Fate? Uh, that was after the movie, I think. Oh. 
I still haven't seen that. I'm like eight Terminator movies behind. That's not true. I'm like three. And I also got this other DLC for um, Breakpoint, which is called Deep State, which is a tie-in with uh, Splinter Cell, with Michael Ironside reprising yeah. the role of Sam Fisher. He, he had to take a few years off for health reasons. I think he had some sort of cancer. So he wasn't able to do the voice for uh, the last Splinter Cell game all those times ago, the Blacklist. So he's in a few missions in the Ghost Recon thing, to my knowledge. But it's just, it's not like, when that dropped, everybody's like, oh man, they're finally making a new Splinter Cell game. And nope, still no. I don't know how many years left Michael Ironside's got on this planet, but uh, I don't know if he'll be around when they finally ever do make the next one. And there's uh, two more DLCs. Again, haven't got to them yet. Another one's called Red Patriot, which came out in fall 2020, which features the return of Scott Mitchell from the Future Soldier as the Commander of the Ghosts and Nomad Superior. That makes no sense, but fine. <laughs> and, uh, and this past MOK weekend of 2021 teased a new mission with uh, Rainbow Six Siege, in which uh, Ubisoft's official website and all YouTube channels in January 14. The Rainbow Six Siege Squad was last seen with Ghost Recon in Bolivia in 2019, so that's Wildlands. Yeah, they had another crossover. But it's not like... When I, when we, we keep saying crossover. What we mean is it's a couple of missions that aren't related to anything. It's like you go to this specific place, you do these missions, this NPC from another video game says, hey, it's me, an NPC from another video game. You can't play as me, but here I am. That's what we mean when we say crossover. And uh, and again, you said that you played a bit of it on on its first patch and release and got I, I, a four. Yeah, um, I, I I I would like to go and play. It is it's a time sink, you know, like everything else. So I'm sure we'll uh, work together at some point, knowing I have a lot of experience now. See, but like from an older show, I don't remember how many episodes ago it was. We've done too many of these fucking things. Or you were like, I got Elder Scrolls Online. I'm like, oh, I played a little bit of that. I guess I can help you. And then I went to play something else, and you kept playing Elder Scrolls Online. And you're way ahead of me, and you absolutely know more things than I do about that. So it's like, well, what the fuck? It's not that I mind you being better at ESO or Ghost Recon. It's just like, it's, you don't, again, you don't play as much stuff as I do, you know. Despite all the shit you record, you don't still play five games a week, maybe? An average, yes. Yeah, so it, you just put my that's, time in, like you punch that clock to get your time in. Yeah, but that's fucking nothing, man. That's nothing. You can get a lot of things done, but I don't. Five games a week is. I don't think I've ever done that. On a daily and weekly basis. In my life, I don't think I've ever only played five games a week in my literal twenty-five plus years of playing video games. Yeah, but then again, half of it is due to the fact that, well, I got a YouTube channel to run, got to post content. Well, this is the end of the episode, so it's time for you to plug that YouTube channel. What's it called? It's the Lord Master channel. That's um, L-O-0. Oh, good job. You already fucked it up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, well, let's try that again. Hit rewind. Uh-huh. It's What it's is the YouTube L- channel? It's L-0-R-D Master. And that's Master as in M-A-S-T-A. Yes. 
I'll put yet another link in the description of this video. Video, audio. You make video. I make audio. And it ain't interactive. I'm getting delirious. I don't know if you can tell. It's so cold here. So cold. Yeah. Hope we survive the coldest winter of Texas ever. Oh, did we I say backwards? Lose. We may <laughs> okay, have to now resort to lose it. We may have to resort to cannibalism at this rate. Yeah. Ain't no party like the Donner Party. <sighs> that's it for me. I hope that's it for you too. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for being here again. Thanks for listening, you listener, person who's listening. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>